Welcome to the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Last year in the Volta, we saw Zwift Academy winner Jay Vine come desperately close to a stage win. And this year, another Zwift Academy winner, Neve Bradbury, performed brilliantly at the Giro Donna, finishing 10th overall. Well, it's all about to kick off again. Registrations are open and the Zwift Academy starts on the 12th of September. Importantly, it's not just about elite riders chasing a pro contract. Anyone can take part. The Zwift Academy features six structured workouts over four weeks. And after you've graduated, Zwift will share workout and training recommendations based on your results. It's a great way to find your strengths and go further. So if you want to dive in and start riding with a free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com. Now here's Christoph and Macca with the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Today, today, you must be a very, very happy mom. Yes, I'm uh, the biggest, the biggest uh, happy mom on the world. He was always a, an extraordinary child. Today, you are proud as well. Yes, but I am all the time proud. But now, uh, it's our job. It's that is the job of the team, and uh, it's very well, very well, very well. We let you enjoy the moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bonjour, bonjour, buenos dias, and uh, welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast, all the way here, live from Spain, and that was Remco Evenepoel's mum yesterday, uh, so happy, we couldn't see with the mask, of course, uh, but she was extremely happy, wouldn't you, uh, your son, when he wins a, a Grand Tour like uh, the Vuelta, joining me today, we've got Gracie and Maka, all the three of us together again, uh, Maka, uh, we can only relate as, as parents how she must be thinking, feeling today. Yeah, uh, good morning, good evening. Good morning to you, Christoph. Good evening to you, Gracie. Um, that just gave me goosebumps, that little, you know, and I know she didn't say too much. She's in the moment. It's hard to always yeah. articulate what you're feeling, but it's it really is a special moment, isn't it? More so for, for Remco and his parents and his fiancée and et cetera. But it's 44 years since a Belgian has stood on the top step of a podium, yeah. of a Grand Tour podium. So this is Massive. this is a little bit of piece of history right now that we're yeah. that we're witnessing. And what was nice as well, uh, Gracie, is that uh, if I describe the footage, it was really hard actually to to track them down because they kept on moving and didn't really want to talk to the press. And I just took my chance uh, after about. 25 minutes tracking them down. They must have thought that was a, some sort of stalker. <laughs> but in the end, he gets you a red jersey sign, and I might be on the on the blacklist from the from the Evenepoel family. But I got the interview, so that's a, that's the main thing. But Gracie, yesterday she was hugging the whole team. She was thanking the whole team. It was not at all about her son. It was about the team, and she kept on mentioning the team, the team, the team. It really is a teamwork. We we all know this, but it's it shows when it's like this. Oh, for sure. That's really nice to hear that you could see her doing that in real life. I'm not surprised, though, but it just shows, you know, where he's come from to have parents like that that are not just, 
you know, solely focused on their son and his achievements, I think that there would be a lot of parents out there that just don't really care about anybody else except the, the child. So yeah, that's lovely to hear that. And I've seen some parents in the women's peloton come to watch a lot. And actually my favorites were Chloe Hoskins and she, they'd cheer for everyone and you'd hear her go, go Chloe, go Gracie. And she just rattle off all of the other names of everyone she could see. And it made a huge difference to us being in a, a foreign country in a different continent for that matter. Um, so yeah, it's really great that Remco's parents were there and I'm sure that they were really nervous. He said in his interview, you know, how stressed he was going into that second last stage and mm -hmm. they would have been just as nervous for him and they have no control over how the day would have gone. Whereas, you know, he, at least he was ready for the battle. So it was really nice to see them and get that interview. I love the turn of phrase as well. I always enjoy hearing <laughs> the Belgians and the Dutchies talk. They just have a different way of, um, you know, using our English language and I actually really like it, even though some of my Dutch teammates in the past want me to correct them. I think that how they say things is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Leave it. Leave yeah, it as yes. it is. Don't tell them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we heard from the mum. What do we hear from the dad? You must be the proudest dad in the world today. Well, I think that uh, every dad is proud of his kid, even what he's doing. How was he as a kid and is he amazing you today? Uh, no, Remco is a guy who is, when he is focused on something, he goes not for 100% but for 200%. And he, all the season, he has only one goal, was the Vuelta, and yes, and the two goals he has. What does that mean for Belgium cycling that your son just closed a 44-year-old gap for Belgium cycling? I don't know. We have to ask in Belgium because for us, we are happy we are here. We don't, we are, we don't know what's happening in, in Belgium, but I think uh, it's crazy for the moment. Congratulations. And uh, once again, we love Remco in Australia. We just hope that uh, he will perform well as well, maybe at the World, you know, next, uh, next couple of weeks. Yes, uh, he, he's leaving Monday from... Uh, Madrid to Paris, uh, to Dubai, Dubai, uh, Australia, and then um, let's fingers crossed. Make sure you enjoy the party with him. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that was uh, the dad of uh, Remco Evonopol. And what was funny as well, I give you as a as an anecdote, is uh, there was a group of fans uh, which were there, maybe 15, 20 people, and the parents really wanted to include them into the celebration. And I, I went to ask. The parents said, do you know them? So yeah, they're always here. They're, they're not friends. And, uh, and what they did, they tried to snuck in, sneak them in. And the security guys stopped them. But I don't know if they're French or something, but they're French, they were in. They just went on the other side and they all ended up with the parents celebrating Remco, even though the security guys uh, said, you can't go, you know? So, I mean, come on, it's a, it's a celebration. If, so, but if it was it's good Tour de France, to hear from the parents. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, if it was Tour de France, they would have been handcuffed and thrown in the lockout, you know, <laughs> overnight. But it's the Vuelta and, you know, you just, <laughs> you slip a 20 here or there. Um, what I loved was the dad <laughs> basically gave you his his flight itinerary to Australia. Yeah. You know, he flies to <laughs> Dubai, then he flies Dubai, he has a transit, and then he flies to Sydney. <laughs> See, yeah, uh, it's funny. good, but they're good. Uh, very and cool. I'm not, not, I'm not so much in the bad books because look what they gave me. How nice is this? Well, it's not champagne, but how nice is this? That's a gift from the team. So I'm not so much in the bad books, I guess. I mean, they, they really 
trying it hard and running it so hard. <laughs> Christoph, they said that they weren't quite sure, you know, what the atmosphere was in Belgium and hearing, you know, that there was a fan club there, but you've been on the ground. What was it like? How much support did he have at the Voluntary in general, especially because so much support would have been going to Valverde? Was Remco still, you know, well-liked in Spain? Yeah, actually, there was a pretty much every day there was a bit of a, a fan club going uh, for him. And uh, I don't know if I can bring the photo because that would be the photo of, uh, of the podcast. So what while I speak, I'm trying to uh, upload a photo uh, here. But th this, these guys were there every day at the finish line and very uh, noisy. And that's the that's the that's the the group there. If I can bring that, would be the actual photo for for tonight. So how many? There's you know ten people. Yeah, but they were very, very, very vocal for Remco every day. So, uh, and that's probably the guys that he asked a few days ago to come down in an interview. Down. Remember, he just asked <laughs> them to come down anyway. We talk about the fact that it's emotional for the family. It's emotional for the whole team. I I'd like you to to listen to Ilad Van Wilder. He's one of the teammates. He's a young of uh, of uh, of Remco in this team. And honestly, I don't know if you can see it in his footage. It, he was in tears. He was in tears on a finish line yesterday. It was a very hard three weeks and uh, we fight every day and I was speechless. And why? Where, where are the emotions coming from? Why? Because we fought so hard for it and I just think yeah, it was so hard today as well, the two ranges where the pressure was on, right? Yeah, yeah. we had two weeks uh, the jersey so it was not uh, easy for us but we did it. This must be uh, emotional as, as you said for you but for Belgian cycling can you explain what this means for Belgian cycling? Yeah, incredible it's already a long time ago that we uh, we had a, a big two winner so um, we write uh, Belgian history but also for our team it's the first Grand Tour we win and uh, to be part of this is just incredible with a late start tomorrow it's going to be big celebrations tonight yeah I think so yeah good luck with that thank you it was emotional to see because that's the back end of the interview but done another interview in uh, in flemish and he was totally in tears and that's what it it means for his belgium rider is even more emotional than remco actually is maca yeah it's pretty cool isn't it and i mean at the end of three weeks i think as as you were saying uh, last night or the night before gracie we were we're all in tears, uh, emotional tears at the end of the tour, and we didn't turn a pedal stroke in anger. But, um, you know, the guys, they'd be tired. They're, they've battled hard, and there's been probably nervous tension, stress, anxiety, the whole works when you're trying to defend a lead. And, you know, when those small little cracks appeared in Remco, I look, I genuinely thought that I – th I thought he was probably going to lose the race, to be honest – I just thought because he's still so young, he didn't have Grand Tour experience physically, um, but he proved me wrong and he proved, you know, world cycling wrong or, or his doubters wrong. So there, there's a lot of emotion, I'm sure, pouring out of, you know, the whole team. Yeah, I, I actually got goosebumps a bit watching that interview. Um, I can really relate to that rider. I was I was that rider. I was the support rider for many years. Um, I, sure, I got to go try and win a few races here and there, but in general, I was you know supporting my team leaders, namely Annemiek van Vluten. And when we got her to win that Giro d'Italia for the first time back in two thousand and eighteen. 
I cried at the end of that tour. Um, I was kind of her right-hand man and, and team captain, and it was a relief. I was really happy, of course, for her, but for me it was just this huge relief. I was exhausted, and I just didn't want to screw up for 10 days and just making sure you're bringing your A game every day. You don't want to be that person that stuffs it up for the rest of the team. And, and that interview is a great example of, you know, what the team means in this sport, what teamwork really means. So I just love that show of emotion because I just know exactly how you, how he was feeling. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm back by the way, uh, my internet dropped, of course. <laughs> what would be a podcast in Spain with the internet uh, not dropping? It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the technology is with us. So I'm now uh, back here. Uh, let's listen to what it could this actually mean in, uh, in Belgium with uh, Jan Peter de Vlieger. I hope I said it right. He's a, he's a journalist at Help News Blood. What can we expect in Belgium come Sunday night, Monday, if Renko wins this Vuelta? Uh, Euphoria. We saw what happened in Denmark uh, when the Danes won the, the Tour de France. Uh, can we see something similar? Uh, I'll expect a lot of uh, Belgians drinking a lot of, lot of beer uh, on Sunday. But I don't know. The, the Vuelta hasn't got the same impact as the Tour. That's undeniable. Uh, also because this is like in September people are working. There's not the, the, the same festive uh, atmosphere in September that you have in uh, the winter, but uh, in the summer. But uh, obviously, yeah, everybody will be super, super excited that after a wait of 44 years, finally a Belgian won a Grand Tour again. And in a Belgian team. And in a Belgian team, exactly. Merci. De rien. No. <laughs> Happy to talk to you. As a mix of languages, <laughs> but uh, I'm not I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. I'm Super jealous. You know, I was going to say something else. Of course, I'm super jealous, uh, but I'm so pleased for, for them because I know what a, a drought in Grand Tours mean. Uh, the last French winner of a Grand Tour is, do you know? Bernard. That's a, that's a tough one. No, no, Grand Tour, Tour de France, 1995. Oh. 1995, the Vuelta. Jalabert. Jalabert won the Vuelta oh, in 1995. Ah, of course. Yeah, so that's 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 when the drop uh, the, the the drought is from for France. But it's not about France; it's about Belgium. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Jan Peter de Vilger, by the way, Maka, uh, we know him and we read him pretty much every week because he's the dude that writes the column for Patrick Lefebvre in Ep News Blood. Ooh, that's him. Yeah, that's damn. him. Him, him, him. Uh, that's a bombshell you've just dropped <laughs> right there. <laughs> it's him writing it. Anyway, really? why don't we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, moving on because he spoke about it and we're not going to talk about it now. <laughs> uh, let's listen from the man himself, the winner of the Vuelta 2022, Remco Evenepoel. Remco, do you have the feeling of a mission accomplished? Yes. Uh, well, I don't know what's going on. Uh, through my head and my body right now it's it's amazing uh all all the, the the critics i got all the you know all the bad comments since uh for last year i think i uh, i finally delivered and i can i answer to everybody with my pedals and uh i mean i've been working so hard to come here in the best shape as possible and to now win to now win this world is, is just uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's actually my first Grand Tour starting healthy, so uh, I'm really happy to to be the first guy to win a, a, a Grand Tour for Patrick as a CEO and uh, again for Belgium, just for my country and for my teammates, you know, and for my parents, for my for my fiance, you know. I've been away from home so many hours, so many days, so many weeks, so many months. 
and now uh, yeah, it's just all thanks to them as well. And uh, I was really stressed this morning. Maybe I didn't show it, but I was really stressed. I didn't sleep too much yesterday night because yeah, you just know what's going, what's coming to you, and uh, it was a super tough stage. But yeah, I'm just super happy uh, that I won La Vuelta. Tell us uh, tactically, how did you achieve this today? How did you react to your adversaries? Just with the legs. I didn't even think about winning a stage. I just wanted to win the, the general classification. And I only had to follow and, and uh, control and, and believe in my power. And uh, in the end, the race was super hard. Uh, but we did very well. So I just cannot say anything more, actually. You said this morning that this was the most important day of your life. Is this now the most beautiful day of your life? Yes. But there is more to come. Sorry? But there is much more to come. I hope so. Uh, actually, it's uh, it's an amazing year, you know, winning a monument, winning San Sebastian again, winning uh, two stages and then the GC, and then getting married in the winter. I think it's the best year I can I can imagine and wish for. Congratulations. Thank you. So far. Remco, it's the best year so far because we all know there is so much hope and, uh, and expectation on him. But when you roll it out like this, Gracie, uh, pretty impressive uh, 2022 for him. It's an impressive year, that's for sure. That was quite an impressive interview, though. And we've said it before, he's, he's maturing a lot and not just physically, but in the way that he's giving interviews and the way that he's um, able to reflect in these moments and, and, and thank people as well and not just talk about himself. So, yeah, I think that he's showing so much matur maturity and he's only going to keep developing that, and not, not to mention how good he's going to be in the next few years on the bike too. So, gosh, he's got a, a lot ahead of him, but it's nice that he's... Is, you know really proud of his year already um maca 22 though and he's getting married this winter that's um that i don't know will that change things for him do you think i don't know i got married at 23 um crazy <laughs> um i mean yeah look he's it, it's i'm a bit um i'm in awe aren't i i think we all are of him and you know we've we've, we've been ready for this moment Remco Venipol, we've been expecting it. But just what Matt Cox, one of our regulars, uh, Christoph, I just saw you put up his comment there, and I was thinking it yeah. as he posted that, saying, I can't imagine the pressure that he would have been feeling and to deal with it at mm. his age. And this is what champions do, don't they? They they take it in their stride. And I think I think when you're younger, you somehow you deal with some of that pressure because you don't realise that it is big pressure or... Well, I don't know what it is. I think as as we get older, maybe we understand the pressure we're under. You know, if we do find ourselves in that in that situation, but all I can say now is, hey, don't, what we hope now is that um, Patrick um, they start building for the twenty twenty three Tour de France for Remco because so, what a race it could be. So that that's that's a good question. Is what's from now? And I spoke to uh, to my new mate uh, Contador. Uh, we'll you got talk a about new this mate. In a minute. <laughs> I've got a new mate. That's why I wanted to talk to you actually. But that's, uh, <laughs> off the record. But uh, now uh, Alberto Contador mentioned this. That's now the next step has to be the Tour de France. Uh, do you reckon as close as twenty twenty three, Gracie? 
Well, that's a big call. Um, you'd have to assume that that is the next step. And I think in the future, that's definitely a goal for Remco and the team. But yes, 2023, it's not that far away. Um, I would maybe aim for the Giro next year and um, see how you go after that. But he seems to just keep on, you know, aiming higher and higher. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they already set that target for next year. But no mm. doubt, even if they don't think that they could win next year, they'll send him for, to the tour for that experience to get used to the tour effect. I think there's so much to learn from the Tour de France that you just can't even get from the Giro or the Volta. Mm. So I don't think that you can win it first time, even though some people have. It's a it's yep. a huge ask and it's there's just so many variables there. So I think that he'll just have to consolidate this year and just build keep building that momentum and just temper the expectations because we all know that how exceptional he is and what he is capable of, but you can't rush it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, it's a bit of a Remco show, but there was a there was a stage yesterday <laughs> that wasn't win by uh, by Remco. It was won by uh, by Carapaz. Uh, Maka, uh, we know that we still think that Javine should have had this uh, Polkado jersey and and that he should have brought it home. Uh, that pretty much uh, was the writing uh, uh, on the wall until that crash. But uh, Carapaz did an exceptional Vuelta. Yeah, he did, and look, it, what he did in a good way. I think this is. <laughs> in, a, in a weird way, it's it's nice for Jay Vine that it's taken someone like Carapaz to win that polka dot jersey. And in the process, he's actually won his third stage overnight. Yeah. And what's incredible about it, in fact, he won stage 12, stage 14 and stage 20. So in nine days, he won a third of the stages in the Vuelta, Carapaz. Um, he, he's exceptional. He really is. And, you know, he came here maybe to ride general classification. Mm. He was one of those, you know, riders that came from the, the Giro, um, you know, that would aim a uh, target of the Giro and then, of course, target the Vuelta. He didn't, it didn't work out for him in the general classification, but three stage wins in a jersey. Well, that's, that's pretty damn, it's a pretty good consolation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go down to some of the others uh, of that, of that, uh, that Vuelta. I want to, Step, uh, take a bit of time to talk about uh, Juan Ayuso. Let's listen to him because there's so much to tell about this young guy. Good ride by you, but also a great ride by the team today. Again with Zhao, with Soler, the whole team making the effort for you. 19 years old in your first Grand Tour. Yes, I just have to be be grateful. No, I think uh, I told the team I was feeling good, so uh, we wanted to go also for the stage, and yeah, they worked. Uh, they worked perfectly, and at the end, yeah, it's a. Uh, Pity that two guys are right in front, and yeah, I won this friend the group, but it's meaningless. But yeah, I just have to be happy I'm on the podium in my first Grand Tour with 19 years of age. It's just incredible. Remco's 22. What do you have to say about his victory here for him? No, I think he's been, <laughs> he's been the strongest in the race. He's shown it every day, and yeah, I think he's the he he, he deserves to win. And yeah, I I wish I, at 22 years old I I also win a Grand Tour. <laughs> That's quite funny, you know, that, the, the determination uh, of, of this young guy. Can I, uh, but can I just ask, yeah. is he Spanish? Yeah, I know. There's no accent. He's, he's English. <laughs> he's, he's, the one thing that I've noticed, and Gracie, you're sort of, well, you're a generation behind me, but I raced in Spain in 1996 for a Spanish team. There wasn't a single person who spoke English <laughs> in Spain in the cycling community. And now, I mean, it's so, it's amazing now you see this generation coming through, but 
I mean, he's almost had a bit of an American twang in there. Yeah, he did. I was actually wondering if either of you would comment on his accent because that was something I noticed as well. I think that I would, I would not do that. I would not do that. It would not be it's it's pretty hard to uh, to sponge out the French accent, as we know. But I think there are a few other accents that do get tweaked a little bit easier, and it just depends where they learn English. And some people go oh. on exchange. Uh, you you do hear the American twang a little bit because of TV. A lot of people watch a lot of American yeah. TV, and that's how they learn English. So you know. I'm not sure where he's learnt it, but uh, yeah, it's a good accent though, isn't it? So, <laughs> but yeah, all things aside from his accent, you know, mm. super impressive performance. He seems quite mature as well. So mm. I'd love to learn more about him, hear more from him. I think that he's going to be definitely on all of our radars and, and everyone else involved in cycling. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he goes forward in the next few years. Maybe <laughs> we'll see something special at 22. He really aims for it. I mean, that's what he says. I, I love, more than the word, there's also the little laugh before. He goes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, uh, so <laughs> there's there's an example here. Uh, Set and, and you mentioned it before, my guys, 118 years yeah. since someone this young was on the podium. So yeah. it's, we can't underestimate the, uh, that as, as a history marker as well. Uh, you, absolutely. I'm glad you brought it up, Christoph. It's, that's right. We can easily say, oh, we, we talked about it, you know, two days ago that he was on the podium, the virtual podium. No, no, we have to highlight that massively. 118 years, that's more than a lifetime. That is more than a lifetime. It's This is something special and this is a, you know, it's, I, was about to, I was thinking tonight, it's the dawn of a new era. It's, it's not the dawn. Yeah. The dawn has already happened a couple of years ago. But this is an era now of cycling, in my opinion, that is for the better. It's, it's a really good era. What we're seeing now is these young riders that are dominating the sport, that, and I think it's a really good thing. And it shows our sport has gone in a, a really good direction, and I think it's going to continue going in a really good direction. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a, 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 I can't say how excited I am about watching these young riders, both men and women, um, perform at the highest level. Um, and, and, and as Gracie just pointed out, they come across so mature as well when they speak off the bike. We just, we, we, we love, I, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot. We love this new generation coming through and it's amazing how young some of them are. But I do want to um, just say something to everyone else that is going, oh, I, I'm that young, but I'm not that good. It's okay. Everyone does take their own pathway in this sport. So if you feel like you, you're not a world beater at 19, that's okay. You've got time. Don't feel like your career is already over. You just, it might be a little bit harder because, you know, the scouts are looking at 19, 18, 17 year olds now. Um, mm. Of course, it helps mm. if you can perform at that level, but don't let it discourage you either. I think that it's an endurance sport. Valverde is still kicking ass at 40, so it's it's okay. You'll, you'll find your way there if you're good enough and if you let yourself have your own time. Mm. Yeah, and there's a, there's a perfect example in this, and the, the team want to go there. Uh, what they've yeah. done with uh, older rider. That's yeah. just uh, the perfect example of what you just uh, highlighted, uh, Gracie. Uh, and if you talk about turning a page, uh, interesting fact, uh, or is it, I don't know, but I like history markers like this. First winner of the Vuelta, Gustave Delors from Belgium. So maybe this is when... Really? The, yeah. Yeah, he wow. won uh, 35 and 36, Gustave Delors. Uh, wow. So that's uh, that's the, maybe, maybe just maybe there is a switch that is happening. Yeah. And sometimes history uh, tend to uh, sort of show us little markers like this. So I don't know. 
I'm making something out of nothing. No, 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 that's cool. I love that. I love it. Let's, let's um, go with it. Another uh, Spaniard uh, that had uh, overall a good tour, but not a good finish of that Vuelta, is Carlos Rodriguez. Let's listen to it. Uh, how do you come out of this stage? Almost dead. <laughs> I suffer from minute zero. But yeah, I knew what to expect in the beginning of today's stage. And yeah, I had the, my teammates supporting me from minute zero. So they made my day much easier. They helped me finish the best way possible. So yeah, very grateful to all of them and also to all the staff for all their hard work. We also could win the stage, yeah. the, the Boeing's jersey with Richard, so very happy. And yeah, I, I have to be happy with the results. When I started this Volta, I didn't expect to finish six overall, and every after everything what happened, have to be very happy with, with the result. And, and yeah, thank you to, to everyone for their support. Was there a moment you thought about going home? Was there a moment you thought about going home? Not really. After all the effort I've made to, to come here, all the sacrifices, I wanted to, to finish. Maybe I was out of the time limit because I couldn't know no more, but until the end I didn't want to surrender. And that is the spirit of cycling, Maka. Uh, he had a tough day yesterday, but he finished his sixth on the podium. Yeah, on the, on yeah. The and, you know, let's remind everyone that terrible crash that he had and he yep. took sort of bark off <laughs> all one side of his body, <laughs> I think, uh, a couple of days prior. So, and I love, I love how he responded to that question. And the question was a reasonable question. But when you talk about, you know, we were just talking about, you know, the different languages and the way you interpret a question. And they said, uh, you know, did you think about going home? And he, he didn't get upset or angry. He just said, no, I was never going to surrender. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. It's, um, yeah, again, they're just, they're impressive uh, young athletes, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Now, for something a little bit more chirpy, you know, let's listen to Luke Blatt. Well, Luke Blatt, you just crossed the line and you've uh, finished your first Grand Tour, mate. Mate, mate, it was uh, touch and go at the start, man. Me and Caden got dropped very, very, very early before the first climb even started, but uh, we made it back, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good day in the end. Uh, my legs got a bit better on the last climbs, and we had a, a nice group to ride into the finish with. So how, how special is it to uh, wear the national championship jersey uh, into the finale of, a, of your first Grand Grand Tour? Oh, the whole year, mate. It's uh, it's been amazing, and I think. What makes it even better is when we train, I only wear the orange gear, so every race day I get to put this on, it just adds a bit more. So uh, yeah, I turn up to every race and it, it just does feel like a race and it feels really special to be able to wear this because I don't wear it every day. Um, and look, I've, I've tried to get it on TV as much as I could this year and I haven't got it on TV much here at the Volta, but uh, it's a pleasure to be here, mate. And yeah, look, I'm looking forward to January again to try and keep it. There we go. He was going to be there and he's going to be ready to, uh, to defend it. But uh, Luke Plapp has been one of the breath of fresh air of this uh, Vuelta, Gracie. 
That's for sure. I'm a big fan. I think that he's got so much ahead of him, but he's just made the most of this year. I really liked hearing about him and the jersey. It would have saved a bit on uh, keeping them white if he was not training <laughs> in them too much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, I think that he's been a fantastic representative of the green and gold jersey. Um, I think the team is going to be really happy with him and his development going forward, even though he said he wasn't on TV much for the Vuelta. I think he still actually did a great job for his teammates. And um, at the end of the day, having a grand tour in your legs is pretty invaluable as a world tour mm -hmm. rider. And I think we've, we've heard that from, from many riders. I heard it from Mitch Docker most recently, just talking about it. Uh, he might have been on this podcast saying it, but he was uh, – you know, saying that it that first grand tour you do adds such a big boost to you and you never really quite feel that boost again in the rest of your career. So, mm. yeah, maybe we, we might see that green and gold on Luke's shoulders for one more year. <laughs> I hope yeah, so. Yeah, uh, mm. he's, he's definitely a worthy uh, uh, wearer of the jersey and uh, not that the others were not before, but he's got such a new, fresh attitude that fits in that new world of cycling that we've been talking about uh, for the for the past week. Uh, Ineos Maca, if I look at the, the results, and I'm just going to bring in as well the, uh, the the general classification, they've got a rider in, a, in the top 10. They've had multiple wins. Uh, they win the Porcado jersey. Uh, we can say successful uh, Vuelta for, the, for Ineos, but it's interesting how, you know, we're talking about changes of the guard and stuff, but how they change as well. You know, it used to be the sky, sky boats dominating mm. for the win, and uh, there was one, one focus, one determination was the top step of, of, of the podium. But as a team, we have to accept that they are completely evolved in a different team. Yes, they are. They are, aren't they? And um, and look, they're going to keep evolving because, of course, we've said it already, but Carapaz is departing. They've got, I think, a few other riders departing and they've, they've got new young riders coming in. So, yeah, look, now kudos to them. Successful Vuelta, 100%. And we've got to get past that fact that, you know, they can't be expected to win every Grand Tour or a Grand Tour every year. You simply can't dominate. They dominated mm -hmm. for 10 years. Um, at the Tour de France and, and the Giro as well, I think. Um, you know, but those years are over, I think, in, in a good way, that that it's more an even competition now. And I think it's only going to get even more even. I think, you know, the Yumba Visma, UAE, Ineos sort of domination, if you like, in the last 10 years plus, there's going to be other teams that are going to step yeah. up as well. Let, um, let's see how Quick Step evolves as well. Yeah, yeah this, this, exactly. This is the this is the first tour for uh, first Grand Tour for Remco Evenepoel, but it's also the first Grand Tour for the outfit Quick Step, and and, mm. go, and we don't know they might actually get a good taste of it, and they might and, just want to uh, to do a bit more. And imagine, you know what? Even more so, just from a journalistic point of view, imagine they send Remco to the tour next year. Imagine there's some a bit of argy bargy, you know. There's just it's a pressure cooker, as we know. The Tour de yeah. France, it's it's highlighted even more. Imagine Lefebvre in the media then with his mate at Het Newsblad. <laughs> it's just going to be so much fun. <laughs> Especially now, I know the guy that goes behind the things as well. So. <laughs> did you get his number? Did you get his private? I have number? his number, of course. Of course. What yeah. do you think? Okay, First thing cool. I did was all right. <laughs> just checking. I knew you were. Well, no, that's checking. that's basic of the job, my guy. Basic of the job. Uh, <laughs> funny what you said here because uh, after all this, uh, uh, Remco went and saluted the press. 
and this is where actually I got this little thing as well. Uh, but he, uh, I see incidentally, but he, he came and saluted the press and did a, a quick uh, news conference over there with, with the written press. And he mentioned something that wasn't recorded and it's probably going to be in some newspapers. But um, he said that now the biggest challenge for him is to change his, his training and his pattern for next year because he now realizes that as a Grand Tour winner, he can't just be targeting the classics. He's already done the classics. He's going to have to make a decision in his life. Hmm. Does he want to go down the Grand Tour? Does he want to go down the classics? But it's going to be very difficult for him to keep on both fronts. Uh, Gracie, uh, that seems like a logical uh, say for, for a rider, but in reality, he's probably right. It can't be both. Well, it's really interesting to hear that because we haven't been hearing that from some other riders such as Wout Van Aert um, or Tom Pidcock who try and do it all and they, they do do it all, which is really impressive. So I think that's actually quite wise from Remco to not follow in those footsteps and that pressure to try and win everything and do it all. So I think that, yeah, I think that he does have to make a decision. Maybe he can mature in a five years time. He's just strong enough that he can, you know, go do a monument here and there while still targeting grand tours. But at the moment, I think you do just have to work really hard, see what your weaknesses are and just strengthen your foundations and and go from there. And I think you can just fall apart so easily. The wheels can fall off really quickly. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've seen that, Maka, too, in your time watching fellow pros around you. Just it doesn't take much for for the dominoes to topple, do they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and look, I I mean, I would think someone like Remco could follow that this, this sort of model of of the current well it's been this model for many years and it works you know of the the GC the, the riders that are chasing GC uh, they target Paris Nice or or a Torino Adriatico early season generally it's Paris Nice if they want to go to the tour then they they keep building from there to Liège based on Liège Liège is a, a one-day specialist race, but it's also the general classification riders can go well there and can win there. So he could target a couple of the Ardennes classics and then they back off and then they build up to the tour. Mm-hmm. So I think he could follow that path. And and it's probably someone like him actually needs that too, Gracie, I think, because he's a racer, Remco, isn't he? he, he like, look at his pedigree, he, his CV already. I don't think he's the type of guy that could just you know, build to the Tour de France only, you know, mm-hmm. have 10 or 15 race days to the Tour and then go there and be good. He could be good, but I think his hunger, he needs to feed the beast a bit. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what yeah. they plan as a team and what he wants to do next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Now, let's listen to my new mate, Alberto Contador. Alberto, uh, last time we spoke, you and I, we said he was going to be 50-50, okay? It's been 50-50, and it's probably Remco that's going to win this, uh, this Vuelta. What's your reading on, on this success from Remco? I think that it's uh, so important for him. I think that the, the question no, for that we have all before the, this uh, Vuelta España is if uh, Remco can win or cannot win a big tour. He tried at the Giro d'Italia, have a, it's true that come back from a really bad crash. But today is, is a very important day for him. 
and I'm sure that he's thinking now in the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah, what's next in his head, do you think? Is that going to unlock something in his head? He's young, he's still young. He can do so many things. Yeah, exactly. Now Bingerad and, uh, and uh, Pogacar is doing uh, really good. They are very strong, but he's, uh, he's young. Uh, Benepool is 22 years old. Uh, and also have time for take more experience in the race, for take more experience in the, the training uh, just before the Grand Tour, for sure. Uh, the future can be, can be also uh, close to the Tour of France. Last question, your boy, Henrik Mas, went so close. He went so close. That would have been spectacular for him to do it. Uh, what did you just tell him? Uh, you just hugged with him. What did you just say to him? My boy. <laughs> he, was, he was in your crew, wasn't he? he was, Yes, also, also Carlos Rodriguez. Um, yeah, I think that uh, he was really good. Uh, was a terrible uh, Tour de France for him. And in 25 days, changed the chip, was fighting for the victory uh, at the Vuelta, at the descent without problem, but at the Tour de France have a small problems in the, at the descent. I think it's congratulations to him for sure. He is not happy with the second place again. The three times second, but uh, for other part, was good for him uh, and for his head. Muchas gracias. Nada. I love El Pistolero. It's cool. He's just oozing <laughs> cool. No, <laughs> you're like you're like besties now, aren't you? You're trembling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a bit jealous. Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous. He's, he uh, does have a bit of swagger, doesn't he? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back on what he said, though. Mass as well. We haven't spoken about mass. Yeah, mass had a good and a great vuelta, Maka. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's there's a part of me that's disappointed for mass. Like as as um, Condor said, it's third time second now. He hasn't won a Grand Tour and third time second in his home tour. I would have loved to have seen him win, and I'm not sure if he ever will. Um, yeah. Not because he's not a great athlete. He's a great athlete, Henrik Mas. Um, you know, he's one of the world's best, let's face it. He's in that top tier of 10 riders that, you know, finishes podium at a Grand Tour, finishes top 10 at the Tour or the Giro. But the, the talent pool that he's up against now is so good. It's like there's always going to be one rider that's going to be, whether it be at the Vuelta or the Tour or the Giro, mm. that's just going to get the better of him. Um, he just is lacks... He He's maybe one percent, you know. Maybe it's the Spanish Pulido always finishing second. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But the, the, the funny moment yesterday on the stage that he tried, he tried on the yeah. on the, the the one but last climb and everything. But Rem, that Remco was having none of it. But there was this moment when Remco came back and they both looked at each other. They exchanged words. We don't really know what they said, but it looks like mm. Remco said, "All right, mate, you tried." And then maybe they called it the truth because at that point there was no more exam and and mass. Gracie just couldn't do it. I think he didn't have the legs. That's it. That's right. I think, yeah, I think he did his best for what he had for this Vuelta. Um, in my mind, from what I've seen from other riders watching them over the years, even myself, it's like, you know, what needs to change? Is there something off the bike that's affecting him? Is there just, you know, a different way of training that could suit him better? Has he been doing the same thing for the last few years with the same coach? Is it time to mm. mix it up again? You know, three times second, that's incredible. That's amazing. Even though yeah. it's not what you want, that's that's an exceptional um, 
performance in cycling yeah. by anyone's standard and that means you're capable of the win so yeah it's 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 as much about your head as it is about your body and i think that maybe he just needs to shake things up a little bit and try mm. something new that's and yesterday point. just a, a point. yes very good point and th there was this moment yesterday when he arrived he, he he rode past the press and then he came back and then before giving any interviews he had the biggest hug cuddle with his girlfriend that lasted about I don't know I did a minute but like between five and ten minutes uh where they just they were in their own world and they were talking to each other and they were in their own world and and you could feel the weight uh that he had on his shoulder and probably the you know, it was, it was disappointing, disappointment. You could see it in his eyes, but uh, it was such a, a beautiful you know, moment to, to just witness. He was in front of the press, uh, and then he came in and talked to us. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, that, that was just uh, emotional. Uh, this is the final classification uh, because uh, there is still a stage today. We'll talk quickly about the stage that is happening uh, today. But uh, this is how this Vuelta is finishing. Uh, we need to flag two Aussies in the top 10. We, uh, we, we, we have to be happy with that, Maka. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think I said last night, you know, without being negative, but if they could both just hold their spots, I didn't yeah. expect them to, you know, climb any further up the up the leaderboard in that final mountain stage. But Jai Hindley, he had a really good final stage. He was fourth on that on the stage overnight. Uh, he was with the, the red jersey yeah. group, so he was only 20 seconds off the stage win, really. So that's quite possibly the best stage Jai has had and doesn't that bode well for the world champs his form mm. is coming up what you sort of alluded to Gracie last night and of course um, Ben O'Connor as well he was just sort of behind that group but they both had a, a great Walter and you know they should be proud of their efforts because we are Absolutely. Uh, so the stage today is a procession stage uh, like we have on uh, on the telephone. So, of course, things can still happen, but they rarely do uh, because this is not the time trial like 1989. So things might not change. <laughs> uh, so, And again, I'm saying it before you say it. Uh, this is the uh, it's a very late start. It's a, a 5 p.m. start in Spain, uh, expected uh, finishing around eight o'clock for uh, that, I was going to say little kilometers, we're talking 96 uh, kilometers. So it's going to be piano, piano, piano uh, on, on this one. So this is why we are allowing ourselves to call this and say, and everybody else saying Remco has won uh, this, uh, this Volta and classification won't change. Uh, one thing though, uh, Gracie, is this one for Matt Peterson again? I don't know, he's not really a pure sprinter. So I think that Caden Groves has, you know, been trying to keep a lid on it and, and try and take out one more stage. Um, and there's a couple of other people that haven't had anything in this, uh, the tour so far. So I think that everyone's going to throw something at this final stage if they can in the sprint. But, you know, Mads is, you know, on some amazing form at the moment. You were saying last night, Maka, you were really disappointed he's not going to Worlds. I don't mm. think he could hold this form for another two weeks. So maybe tomorrow's yeah. the, the day. Maybe he'll show us the end of his peak. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, yeah. But I'm I'm with you, Gracie. I'm on the I'm on the Caden train tonight. I think it's I think it's a more purist and I think yeah, I'm hoping Caden Graves gets his second stage win. So if we if we walk away from that Volta with three wins only, but Caden Grove winning today would be fourth win for Australia, two for Javine, two for Caden uh, Grove. That would be a uh, quite an incredible result for uh, for Australia, Maka. Yeah, it's, I think it's good. I think it's you know, and you know, they, they, you always get misfortune. So we can we can sort of say, oh, uh, Javine would have won the poker dots. Well, he didn't. He didn't yeah. win it. 
sadly, unfortunately, um, that's just the way professional sport is. So what was it, 16 starters, Australians? I think, no, no, they can all hold their heads high. And, and you know, Plappy said he didn't show the jersey too much in the Vuelta. I disagree with him. I think <laughs> in the first 10 days, he was he was at the front a lot. We talked about him a lot in commentary as well. So, no, I think a lot of the Aussies were really prominent. Um, yeah. I think they've all done a great job. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of uh, news to conclude this podcast. At some point, we're going to have to go. <laughs> uh, mm. But... Uh, Valverde, this is the last day for Valverde uh, in, in the Vuelta. This is the uh, headline of uh, Marca, the newspaper here. Uh, mm. it's, it's, he's a legend. The start today will be dedicated to him. A statue of Alessandro Valverde will be made and, and, and unveiled today at the start in uh, Las Rosas. Uh, I mean, the imprint that someone like Valverde is living on this sport and is yet to live as well because he's not going anywhere else than cycling is going to move into management at Movistar. Uh, Maka, you, you, you've commentated so much on Valverde. Uh, he's won that Vuelta in 2009, I think. Nine, I yeah, uh, yeah. 2009 from memory. Um, the, the imprint here, like I said, is just, you know, massive. And it's a, it's a good send-off that he's finishing here at the Vuelta. Yes, yes, it is. Um, no, no, what can we say? You know, that front that, that page, front page headline that you just put up, the number of victories he's had, the, you know, the stats that he, he leaves in this sport is incredible. And I'm not sure it'll take a long time for anyone to, to reach the heights that he has year in, year out. And, you know, it is great that he's staying at Movistar in management, um, yeah. you know, that'll, that'll be interesting how, you know, Enrique Mas sort of how they now form a relationship as a, as a you know, a non-rider. Uh, he's been a rider for years with him. Um, so, yeah, no, he, he's a superstar. He's a superstar. And, you know, yeah. he's we, we should not gloss over. He's had a couple of misdemeanours um, a few yeah, years ago. Um, nothing you know ever was, yeah. was completely sort of concrete. But what I like is, and people will disagree with this, some will disagree, but I like that he's come out the other side of that and raced and, and had nothing else come about in, in his mm -hmm. last years because I think it would have been a shame if his career had ended with a, with a black cloud over it. Um, yeah. And I don't think it has, in my opinion, so I yeah. think it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is also a Seratizit uh, challenge that is uh, happening, and then last stage is today uh, in Madrid, and uh, which should be a, a beautiful setting for for the ending of uh, of this race. Uh, Anamik van Vluten is still on top of the leaderboard, but what a finish, Gracie, yesterday, and what a win by Persico. Yeah, I was just so happy to see Silvia Persico finally get a World Tour win. She's been knocking on the door all season. She's been getting multiple top tens and podiums. She's she's kind of been the one of the breakout riders. There've been quite a few breakout riders this year, but she's been a fantastic rider to watch from the Valcar uh, team. So she's Italian, and it's an Italian team, but they race so well together. And if you get a chance to go and uh, listen to her post race interview, I don't know if we're going to play it. But, we are. Um, we are. It's here. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's really nice and I think there's some uh, images of a teammate coming up and being really emotional as well and much like Remco's teammate it was so genuine and, and so relatable to see how happy they were for Sylvia to finally get this yeah. win and how much that means to her and the team this is on to uh, Sylvia Persico first of all congratulations for your victory it's been a very emotional victory for you how do you feel it 
Yes, uh, today I didn't feel good uh, in the first part of the race, but uh, my teammates uh, stay with me all the day, so I'm very happy and uh, I start and uh, in my head uh, I'm thinking, uh, okay, today must do good because uh, it's my last uh, race uh, with uh, this uh, jersey, so I, uh, I take the... This is a victory and uh, I'm very happy and uh, thank you to my teammates because today they were uh, really fantastic. Uh, Silvia, what was the strategy to follow today? Because Hannah uh, took a lot of advantage. Yes, today was a long stage and uh, we started uh, not so fast and uh, the first two hours uh, was uh, really, really not fast and then uh, Anna did uh, all the day in uh, the breakaway so we took her, uh, we catch her in the last uh, 1k.5 so uh, congrats for her and I'm very happy for this victory. And tomorrow we have the last dance in uh, Madrid, another chance for you. Uh, maybe not for me, but uh, for sure uh, for my team. Uh, and uh, I hope uh, for uh, my sprinters, uh, Chiara and uh, uh, Carolina. And uh, I hope for them. And I really hope uh, to finish this season uh, with uh, with another victory for us because I think that uh, it is uh, an amazing year uh, years for us. Thank you and congratulations. Thank you. So that was uh, uh, the winner yesterday of uh, of the stage, and the the in the final video, the the team uh, beat that you mentioned was cut uh, so sadly, but uh, it it was just a good moment. But they decided the race to, to not leave it. Maybe it's too much uh, too much fun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One stage left, Maka, uh, on this, and it's it's a procession as well. I'm not too sure. when I say procession, it's not procession as an easy ride. It's a procession that it's a welcoming into Madrid. Yeah, I don't think women's cycling has ever had a procession race, <laughs> I'm going to say that. Um, it's going to be fast and furious. There's going to be a lot of attacking. There's the last chance for a breakaway to make it, but unlikely. And we're going to most likely see a bunch sprint. So I'm really hoping for the bike exchange double with Groves winning the men's race and potentially Ruby Roseman Gannon or Alex Manley to win for the women's team. So they've been having a great year. They're definitely capable um, to to take out a great result today. I'm not sure who they'll be racing for, so I'm always looking forward to how they do that lead out, but they're a really great duo and they've got some good team support around them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like this idea of a double combo bike exchange uh, yeah. men-women. That'd be, a, that'd be a super nice ending of, uh, of these two vueltas. Uh, uh, there's also good news, Maka, on women cycling is this. Uh, yes. We just saw this tweet from Pat Show this morning. He's reached the benchmark of $100,000 that he was looking for. Uh, to uh, sustain and, and support women cycling here. Uh, Gracie, uh, that is a good news for everyone. Yeah, it really is. That's an amazing achievement. So big well done to Patchor and everyone that's put in money for that. Uh, I'm not sure how much more that they're going to need, though. It's a, an expensive sport, and I don't think that 100000 even will cut it anymore for a national team. And I know that they have big ambitions, so I really hope that they get a bit more support there from some bigger sponsors. But I'm, I think, you know, crowdfunding is p- a potential source now for, mm-hmm. for teams such as this, and it's incredible that they got to 100000 So that, that took a lot of effort p- 
particularly from Pat, but from quite a few people there. And it's a great team. It, they've done so well this year and they've made it, managed to put a couple of riders into the world tour for next year. So uh, in the men's team, they've, they've had a great pedigree there, but for the women's team, this was their first year only. So um, I really want to see it going further ahead in the future. We need more women's teams in Australia. So sometimes you have to be creative, don't you, Maka? Yeah. Well, you got to be passionate, don't you? And I was talking to my wife before because we we basically started a pro team which was um, publicly funded, or that was that was the goal many years ago. But you got to be passionate, and as we know, Pat Shaw is a passionate man, uh, Christoph. And I checked just before we went live; it's actually up to one hundred and eighteen thousand yeah. now as we speak, and two anonymous donors of fifty thousand each. Well, so I think there's a little bit more to come. <laughs> Yeah. Um, when we interviewed, when we got Pat on the podcast very early on in the Vuelta. Um, but yeah, it, no, look, good on him. And I think it's it's fantastic that he's he's working really hard, obviously, to make this happen. Um, yeah. And sorry, just want to go back to Sarah Tizzett really quickly um, and mention Brady Chapman's 11th overall. So great to see Brady um, in the GC um, there as well. So, and Brady's in the world's team. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. that's really good. And that's on at 9.20 p.m. on demand, so an early time slot uh, yeah. for the Sarah Tizzet tonight. That's the thing. Like the, the the cycling starts relatively early and goes pretty much throughout the night on SBS. Uh, today. The men's so, is at uh, 1.20. Yeah, no. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you glad you're not doing this one, Michael? <laughs> oh no! Look, I'm I'm really disappointed. I'm I'm pumping my fist. I'm upset with management. Why didn't you give me the last stage? Come on, Gracie is as well. We're both yeah. <laughs> super happy. Uh, I'll try to be there though, but uh, on the good time slot. So that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that's yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. You're doing it uh, tough, mate. We feel for you. I know, I know, I know. This is the end of this podcast, by the way. And this is the end of this series. Uh, thank you to everyone that's been on it. Thank you, Maka, for your uh, your support and your help and uh, and you taking the the rain now and then when uh, uh, the Spanish networks uh, were not playing uh, on our side so thank you and and thank you Gracie as always with all your insight uh, this has uh, just been amazing to to have uh, to have you as well and you know on, on the rebound of, of the, the Tour de France and and I hope you enjoyed it as well I always love working with you guys so it's been great <laughs> to be back and especially after all we went through <laughs> together at the tour, it's nice to have a bit more casual approach to it with these podcasts. I, I always enjoy it. And I hope you have an awesome day in Madrid. I'm sure I will. It's planned. And, and that's why I kept it safe in a hotel today. I'm not taking too much risk, not too much stress. Uh, and then I'm going to make sure I'm going to enjoy and get some footage and get some stuff for uh, for the SBS Sport website. Yeah. Uh, yes, I just want to finish also saying thank you, likewise, to you, Gracie, and to Christoph, to you, and to all our viewers watching. Yeah. The man in the middle is the guy who actually puts the bulk of the work in on this. Uh, Gracie and I are just the talking heads. Uh, you do a lot of the background thank you. <laughs> work to make it happen to produce this, and you're producing it as we speak, or unless your Wi-Fi glitches, of course, I can take the <laughs> reins. But uh, So well done to you, mate, because it's been thank a you. massive year and the year's not done yet, 
And we may have a couple of little announcements towards the end of the year, but we'll just keep that on ice right now. Absolutely. We'll just tease you a little bit more. Yeah, just, I'm just teasing, just dangling the carrot. So, uh, yeah, Absolutely. well done. Thank you. And again, thank you to everyone that's watched uh, this series. And uh, we'll be carrying on uh, the, the podcast itself. Of course, the podcast is not going anywhere. And there's the World Championship happening. So we have so, so, so much more to talk about. In the meantime, make sure you tune in tonight and you check out the SBS Sport website as well. Uh, it's a great way for you to keep in touch with cycling. Until next time, all the way from Spain, it's bye for now. Thanks for listening to the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. After five weeks on the road at the tour and no riding, I'm seriously playing some fitness catch-up with Walter Inspiration. To help with my motivation, I've set myself a target of finding a team and getting involved with the Zwift Racing League. Round one starts on the 13th of September and goes to the 18th of October. One race per week for six weeks. Whether you're just starting out on your fitness journey or like me getting back into things, or you're a six watts per kilo monster, you'll find a level of racing to suit. So if you're up for the fun cycling challenge, dive in and start riding with a free seven day trial at Zwift.com and find your ZRL team or register if you're all ready to go by Sunday the 11th of September. Hopefully, I'll see you on the start line soon. Right on.